monetize your curiosity. How one part-time project turned into 80 grand in revenue. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to The Side Hustle Show, a part of the Entrepreneur Podcast Network. It's the business podcast you can actually apply. And I've got a killer case study for you today. Because how about this? We talk a lot about how to take your existing skills and knowledge and experience and building a business around those. But my guest today built a cool side hustle in a niche he was just curious to learn more about. And that niche was vertical farming. How random is that, right? So stick around to learn how he quickly built a name for himself in the space, despite not being an expert there, and how he earned thousands of dollars before there was any audience at all. From the Vertical Farming Podcast, Harry Duran, welcome to The Side Hustle Show. Nick, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be here, having known you and crossing paths in the world of podcasting for so many years. We've got a lot of mutual friends and we've been in this game for a while now, so been just honored to see your journey with this show knowing how much hard work and dedication you put into it. And so I'm really grateful for you giving me a chance to share some stories with your audience. You bet. So we should mention, so I probably first met Harry 2014-ish, <laughs> maybe almost 10 <laughs> years ago, New Media Expo, which is no longer even a yeah. thing. So Harry's been in the game a long time. You might be familiar with his other show, Podcast Junkies, been doing it forever. We'll get into that. Like, okay, I'm going to take this one area of expertise that I do have, podcasting, and apply it to a completely different niche. But we'll get into all of that. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash Harry. While you're there, make sure to grab your free listener bonus. It's my list of 20 other hobby-related niches that you might be able to apply the same general business model to. Again, that's at sidehustlenation.com slash Harry, or you can just follow the show notes link in the episode description. But Harry, I want to start with the story of landing a $9,000 sponsor before you ever released an episode. That's crazy. Yeah. So the origin story for the podcast goes back to the skills I was building up. You mentioned Podcast Junkies doing that since 2014. In 2015, I launched a podcast agency, Fullcast. It's a full service agency. We do all the production, editing, and marketing for clients. One of my clients in 2019 gave me a book called Abundance by Peter Diamandis. And some of your listeners and viewers might know or recognize him from SpaceX. And there was a chapter about the future technology of the world, how the world is going to be greater looking forward. And there was a mention, a brief mention of vertical farming, which led me to a book by Dixon Despamier. He's a Columbia professor who wrote a book, The Future is Vertical Farming. Short book. I ordered it immediately on Amazon, came the next day, or I think on Kindle. I just devoured it in a day. And I started looking at this industry and thinking about the issues that were trying to be solved, food scarcity, food deserts. And this was 2019, late 2019. So I said, I wonder if I could start a podcast and just follow my passion here. But obviously, because I have the skills doing long form conversations with podcast junkies, I had been doing about almost 300 at that point, And we knew how to produce a show with our agency. I knew we had the building blocks for creating the show. I realized the show was not going to be known to others in the industry from me because no one knew who I was. And so I said, I'm not going to make it hard for people to find it. I'm going to call it what it is on the label, Vertical Farming Podcast. And I go... And <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get cute with the branding or the naming. It's just like, hey, yeah. you know... Sometimes the simplest SEO is the best. Verticalfarmingpodcast.com was available. So now if you actually Google those three words, Vertical Farming Podcast, my show is the first thing that shows up in a Google listing, which is great from a podcast perspective. <laughs> there can't be too many people <laughs> looking for it, but if they are, there you are. Super niche. And then I said, well, I need it to be high visibility because again, people don't know who I am. So I'm going to interview CEOs and founders. So when people start looking at the list, they said, oh, wow, they're the who's who in the audience. So I was doing all these things to not make it harder for myself to get off the ground, especially starting from zero. 
And then I grabbed all the domains, Vertical Farm Pod on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. So now there was a place, what I call a landing zone for all these places that I was going to promote the show and where I could see what was happening in the industry, hashtag vertical farming. And then I started early with influencers in the space, people who were writing news sites about vertical farming. I got those early people on. And then I started going for the CEOs. And thankfully, a couple of them said yes. And so this comes into 2020, COVID hits. And I'm like, oh, no. But isn't that funny? I want to pause there. Because like, if you're just a dude, you say like, hey, can I pick your brain? Calling up some random CEO or cold emailing them. You'd be like, who are yeah. you again? Like, no, I'm not taking your call. <laughs> but if you say, I have the Vertical Farming Podcast and you are clearly a leader in this space, would you give me an hour of your time? All of a sudden, it's like, it kind of flips that conversation. And they're flattered by that invite in a lot of cases. And it's a chance to talk about what they're doing and hammer hone their agenda. I think it's really cool. I think what a lot of people overthink sometimes is this idea of reaching out to people and saying, oh, this person's never going to say hi. I'm a little embarrassed to ask. They don't know who I am. And the first thing I did is I whipped up Airtable, one of my favorite apps. And I just started dropping in all these companies, vertical farming companies, just doing my research. Who's the CEO? Who's the founder? And building my list. Some people call it a dream 100, but people I wanted to have a conversation with. And when I started early, those early conversations, I would say, hey, I'm reaching out to name one, name two, name three, these CEOs. And people would see that. And even though I hadn't actually had the conversation with them, by virtue of them seeing that name, they're like, oh, he's going for like the big names in the space. Once those people started confirming, I would change the language. I would say, I've now confirmed a interview with so-and-so. And then obviously once I started, okay, okay. yeah, and stair-stepping. Just kind of banking on the name recognition that, yeah. you know, people are going to know who those other names were. Okay. And then once those started getting confirmed and scheduled, I said, I've now scheduled in an interview. So I just kept changing language. Obviously, once I recorded, I've recorded three interviews with A, B, C, and D. So COVID hits and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> One of my conversations was scheduled with David Farquhar. He's the CEO of a company in Scotland called IGS, Intelligent Growth Solutions. And I said, David, I realize it's a challenging time right now. This was literally March, 2020. And I said, do you still want to have the conversation? He's like, yeah, let's do it. And there's a special time there, as you might remember, Nick, for all the bad stuff that was happening. There was a vibe there where people were really feeling close and connected to each other. We were all going through this together as a planet. And we had a fantastic conversation. And I give credit to the work I had been doing with Podcast Junkies, my ability to have open-ended conversations, be curious with people. Again, I wasn't a subject matter expert, but I have a general curiosity in people. So I was asking, how'd you get started? What inspired you? Where do you live? How's it living there? Just having, I always say in a podcast conversation, there's three people, the host, the guest, and the listener, singular, like one person listening at a time. And I was conscious of that as I was having this conversation. And then because I'm speaking to the head of the company, I said, hey, David, we're launching this show. It's brand new. It's dedicated specifically for this industry. And I'd love to see if there's sponsorship opportunities available. And he said, talk to my marketing guy. He's in Chicago. So next day or that week, he Scheduled the call again because of the vibe, because of the moment. I spoke to Jeff, who's the CMO there, who's since moved on. Had a great conversation. I said, Jeff, we're building this show specifically for this audience. I'm curious, how much were you spending at these conferences for these booths that you can't go to and can't attend any longer because we're all in lockdown? He's like, we were spending about $20,000 for a booth. And I was like, oh, interesting. I come from a marketing background, Nick. I worked at E-Trade and JP Morgan Chase. I was in corporate marketing for over 20 years. So I'm kind of familiar with the idea of how marketers think. And I said, well, what if we created this platform specifically for you to promote this business? And in my mind, I did some simple math. There's no science about it. I said 20, half of 20 is 10 and single digits sound better than double digits. So I said $9,000. <laughs> 
a little bit arbitrary there. It was just kind of thinking on the spot. And I said, for $9,000, you can sponsor the entire season. For me, a season is a quarter, 13 weeks and a quarter. Again, coming from that corporate marketing background, that's how marketing teams and departments think about their planning and budgets. And he thought about it for a couple of minutes. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so here's the punchline or the kicker. I hadn't even released an episode yet. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was Isn't an that amazing crazy? aha moment. Like I was like, whoa, this is nuts. But I could see how they were thinking about this ability. And again, there was some surplus marketing dollars there that had to be put to work. But it's just a matter of really thinking about how can you best serve these companies in a way that they may not be served by some of their other marketing platforms. Yeah, recognizing that this guy has got budget to spend and he's not going to be able to spend it in the way he's used to. So coming in with kind of an innovative alternative angle and hey, you're going to be the headline sponsor front and center on this whole platform. Now you got to go out and deliver some sort of value and ROI in exchange for that. So that's kind of the pressure. Like number one, good on you for having the guts to throw out a big number, which maybe is not big to like Fortune 500 companies and stuff, but it's like, oh, for an indie creator to be like, yeah, pay me nine grand. I haven't released an episode yet, but it's going to be huge. Trust me. And then to go out and have to build that up. So what happened next? I imagine you had a few episodes kind of pre-recorded at that point, but... I think what was important for me, I have this mantra with podcast junkies. I've always been passionate about telling the stories about podcasters. I call it treat your guests like gold. Just want to have this great relationship with them, put all the focus on them as we're having the conversation. And with Vertical Farming Podcast over the years, what I've now had as my mantra there is treat your sponsors like gold. And I said, these sponsors are really giving and taking a chance, some of them for the very first time with a podcast. And because my passion is podcasting, I have a love for podcasting. My life wouldn't be where it is without podcasting. I always want to put it podcasting in a good light. And any chance sponsors have an opportunity to come into the space for the first time, I'm conscious of how their experience will be because it reflects on future experiences or future opportunities to think about podcasting, whether it's with me or whether it's with someone else. So I'm just always thinking about the podcasting world at whole and really have to over deliver. So I created what I call a title sponsorship. So the very first thing you hear on Vertical Farming Podcast is my ad read for the sponsor. And so I've been doing that ever since. If you're a title sponsor, they get the read across the entire season. They get posts and mentions in all my social posts. So every time we post on Twitter, or Facebook, LinkedIn, we have their socials and we tag them. And then the other thing that I've been seeing and I think you'll know Brian Burr, a letter from Sounds Profitable. Like I've got the idea from him, but essentially whenever we have a new sponsor, I go on my personal LinkedIn. So I have these profiles that I've been building up over the years, my Facebook, my LinkedIn, all my socials. And on LinkedIn, I'll make a big post. I'll say, thank you so much to IGS for sponsoring this first season of the Vertical Farming Podcast. And I tell a little story about them. I give a little blurb about them. So everything that I'm doing is always promoting the sponsor. And I go overboard and make sure I talk a lot about them. I delivered a talk about what we're talking about here at Podcast Movement last year. And I mentioned all the sponsors that I've had over the years. I've mentioned IGS Now, and I mentioned Series Greenhouse Solutions, Freight Farms, Indoor AgCon, all these companies that I've mentioned. Whenever I get an opportunity to talk about a sponsor, I talk about it because you never know who's listening. You never know who's watching. And you never know. You just have it as a habit. You just go out of your way to over-deliver every time you build those relationships with sponsors. Yeah, and some credibility to say, look, I've built podcasts before. It's what I do in my full-time business. And even if I don't have a ton of social following on these new vertical farming accounts that I have claimed and kind of established to set them up, but I do have a, a personal following that I've been building up for several years. And so I'm going to use all of these assets that I have. And I want to draw a contrast to 
podcasting as being the medium of choice here because it's one of these where it's really slow and kind of a grind in a lot of ways to build up that audience. But you kind of flip the revenue model on its head where I'm going to get paid up front to do this stuff versus I'm going to build a niche site or an authority site about vertical farming. And in your case, not being from agriculture or being a part of the industry, really, it's like the amount of research and stuff, you probably would have had to go out and do these interviews anyways. You might as well get paid to do them. And it's really interesting is in even in that you were playing the long term SEO game, I'm trying to rank these articles, do all this keyword research, and it might be months or years before you ever get to the same revenue target. I think that's really interesting. But give me a sense of the audience size. Even today, it's not huge, is it? No, it's not a big audience. We get typically about 2,000-ish downloads per episode. So if you're using the CPM model, traditionally it's a cost per mill and the mill is 1,000. I'm sure most of your listeners know this already. That's $25 typically. So if I'm getting CPMs of $25 on those downloads, we're talking $50 an episode times four episodes a month. That's $200. So, and then let's extrapolate yeah. that out to the three months. And then I'm getting $600. <laughs> yeah. And so it's really interesting by going super niche. And my guess is these companies kind of have a B2B play to it where they're not trying to sell like a backyard setup. A new customer to them is worth quite a bit. Is it? what I'm getting at or what I'm kind of understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. The other thing I did is there's a site called Crunchbase, which I love. It talks about how much companies are getting invested in. And I love, love it because again, I was doing a lot of research. So again, Airtable is my friend. I was creating these profiles of these companies and I was seeing who the CEO was, what their LinkedIn was. I was doing my homework before I even made that first outreach. And then Crunchbase lets you know which companies have received funding. So in my mind, the logic there, Nick, was to say, if these companies receive their A round, their seed round, typically millions of dollars, a couple of million dollars, even half a million dollars, quite honestly, the first spend and the first outreach is going to go to marketing. They need to get the word out. They're flush with a bit of money and they're going to do some marketing. So I was essentially looking at companies that were getting funded and I was making those outreaches first. And the other thing to think about is you go where the companies are spending money already. So I looked at indoor farming conferences and I looked at their websites and I said, sponsored by, and who's the platinum sponsor? Who's the gold Ah, sponsor? And I was like, these companies are spending marketing dollars. So I was looking and sort of, there's probably a metaphor that I'm missing here, but just kind of like doing the farming wherever like the grass was most fertile and people were accustomed to spending money. Again, in these sponsorship deals, in these conferences, buying these booths, being the platinum sponsor, sponsoring the merch and and the swag and all that. So I was making sure I wasn't making it harder for myself to have a conversation with someone who's never even spent marketing dollars. So putting all those pieces in place, and I was also making sure that once I built those relationships in place, that I was really conscious of like getting the word out for them as far and wide as possible. Yeah. Crunchbase is a fantastic resource. We've had people mention it on the freelancing side, like, oh, I want to be a freelance writer or freelance fill in the blank skill. I'm going to go after these companies that have money in whatever particular niche I want to specialize in or in affiliate marketing. I want to, we had Finn versus Finn. These guys were reviewing direct to consumer brands. And that was one of their strategies to be a first mover. If we can be the first person to write this article about up and coming company A versus up and coming company B, almost by virtue of being the only, like we're going to rank really well for that and start to build, try and build a moat and try and build a defensive moat in SEO around that. And on top of that, hey, you just refused all this funding. Have you ever thought about performance marketing or affiliate marketing? What do you typically spend to acquire a new customer? Oh, we can work with that. Let's see how do we plug that in. 
yeah, Crunchbase, fantastic resource there. And then just being intentional and following the dollars in a lot of ways, like, well, people are spending money in the space. How do I find them? And seeing who's sponsoring these conferences. I love that. Or who was sponsoring these conferences <laughs> pre-pandemic. And like, hey, you might have some idle budget, but we're out here. We're a viable avenue for you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. As your business grows, the last thing you want to be spending your time on is handling payroll, employee benefits, time off requests, and everything else that comes along with managing a team. Let our sponsor, Gusto, take these tasks off your plate. Gusto is the intuitive, all-in-one payroll, benefits, and HR platform for growing businesses. With Gusto, most customers are able to run payroll in 10 minutes or less, and Gusto helps with the hard stuff too. Filing payroll taxes, compliance, new state tax registration, and more with a simple, modern interface. Whether your hardworking team is in-person or remote, employees or contractors, Gusto makes it easy to support them and keep everyone on track. Join the more than 200,000 new and growing businesses that are using Gusto to build a great workplace for their employees. Right now, Gusto is offering Side Hustle Show listeners three months free at gusto.com slash side hustle. Get easy payroll benefits, HR, and a happier team. So go to gusto.com slash side hustle. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash side hustle for your first three months free gusto.com slash side hustle. Big thanks to Gusto for sponsoring the show. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. And so the content focus, you're going after these high level CEOs and professionals in the industry. I mean, how does that work if the CEO comes on and like their competitor is the title sponsor? <laughs> or like, like it's got to be kind of a fine line to walk because it's, it can't be that big of an industry. It sounds like probably everybody knows everybody at a certain point. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause when I got started, I was like, well, I guess I'll probably do it for a couple of seasons and not just run out of people to talk to, but I'm going in three years plus just we're midway through season nine. And now you're starting okay. to have some it's bigger, it's bigger than <laughs> it's I'm giving it credit for 2022. I was like, I need to start getting to these conferences. So indoor AgCon was the first one I attended in Las Vegas. I went there last year or this year for the second time. And then what's interesting, once you have this platform, Nick, you start to build these relationships. So I reached out to the team. I said, hey, I'd love to attend. Is it possible to, you can count me a ticket and then I'll do an ad read. So I have this great sponsorship package that's available at different tiers. And later on, when I share resources, I'll provide a link for your folks to download and check it out. And they could even duplicate it because I use Notion. That's one of my favorite tools for this. The Notion page is a great sponsorship we've built. And what I did was made sure I priced it so that the individual 
episode cost was very high, cost prohibitive. So I think it was like $800 or something like that, if you do the math, or 1000 or something, because I'm discouraging them from just doing one off. As you know, I'm sure your listeners know, it's this age old adage of like, you have to hear a product mentioned 10 times, 12 times, I don't know what the new number is. But essentially, right, right. <laughs> you have to hear it and you have to hear it in the voice of the host. So I was conscious of that. And I said, look, it's better if you just build this over time. IGS was my first sponsor, Sears Greenhouse Solutions. And then I landed a sponsorship with a company called Cultivated. And they're a farm broker and they help companies get into the space. And what's interesting is the CEO of that company, Eric Levesque, he heard me interview Nate Story. He was the CEO of Plenty, very big name in the space. And so, again, by virtue of having that CEO be visible, Eric found him. He comes to me. They were just getting started and they took a shot with like investing with me in terms of a sponsorship. They were sponsored for four seasons. And the beauty of these sponsorship deals is that as they start to wind down, the season winds down, you give your sponsors first right of refusal. Say, hey, look, I'm going to start having conversations again with new sponsors for the podcast, but because of your loyalty here, we'd love to renew for you, re-up for you at a discount. You can figure out what makes sense. And I remember having that conversation with Eric and as they had gotten the first season, they essentially re-up for two seasons. And he said, we're not giving this up. He's like, to be honest, he's like, people come to us and say, we heard you on the podcast. And as you might imagine for a podcaster to hear that about a relationship with a sponsor, that's like gold. And I was like, well, that's amazing. And interestingly enough, three of the employees that work at Cultivated heard me interview Eric. And one of them was in the process of getting hired. Two of them hadn't heard of Cultivated and they essentially reached out to Eric and they eventually reach out and say, we want to work with you. And they got hired oh, <laughs> because of the podcast. becomes a recruiting <laughs> arm, a marketing arm for employees too. Because of the podcast. And then the general feedback, because a lot of, I get this question a lot. How are you speaking about a topic that you know nothing? Obviously, I know something a bit more about it now than I did three years ago, but it's just being curious. It's just human to human. And that's what listeners have resonated with. They said, I hear these conversations. I want to get into the space. And you're just having a conversation with this person. And I feel motivated that I can do this myself. Like, I really feel like they all started from different backgrounds because it's not an old industry. It's relatively maybe about 10 years old. So it's not like someone studied vertical farming in college and is doing this as a career. So everyone has a great origin story of how they came into vertical farming and what inspired them. It's been a really amazing journey. Is primarily targeting listeners in the industry or people who want to break into the industry versus like a consumer general population type of listener? The majority, probably 80%, is probably people who are in the industry or really excited to learn more about the industry. I do get those LinkedIn DMs. I'll get DMs on across all the socials. And that's the beauty, again, of having the socials. You're creating like these platforms and these ways for people to contact you about the podcast. Because in those early days, you don't know where the feedback is going to come from. So we get it on all the platforms and we create just all the graphics and all the ways for people to engage Surprisingly enough, the most popular platform was LinkedIn profile page or showcase page, I think what it's called now, that I created just for the podcast. So highly encourage folks that have a podcast, this is the one thing we do with clients and say, create that showcase page, this landing page for your show, because you never know, especially for vertical farming and because of this industry, a lot of the conversations are happening in LinkedIn. People listen and say, wow, I wanted to get into this space. I didn't know where to start. I was curious, I was looking for a podcast about vertical farming and I found yours and I was like, well, that's probably, then everything's I'm the only game in town, baby. (laughs) I should have asked that. Are there others or were there others before you got into it? There's a couple and I didn't really, interestingly enough, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. I kind of had my horse blinders on and I said, look, I don't want to be influenced. I have a format that I like that I've honed over the years with Podcast Junkies. 
that I love long form conversations, hour long conversations, and have honed it down to a science where those first 10, 15 minutes are really like the icebreaker. If I can get them feeling comfortable, I know I'll get some gems later on in the conversation. So I'm grateful for that opportunity to, and I'm just fascinated by this idea of long form conversations, interview based shows. And I'm always trying to make sure I, I improve that skill over the years. Yeah. And somebody who spends theoretically hours and hours with you in their earbuds, you build a pretty good relationship with them over time. And I get people coming up to me at conferences. They're like, you don't know me, but I feel like I know you. And it's just very, I don't know, it's a really cool position to be in. Because while while you're doing it, while the sauce is just being made, it's just being yeah. hairy. <laughs> it's just, right, like you said, the three yeah. people, the guest, the host, and the singular listener. Yeah, trying to avoid, maybe it was one of your talks at some of these podcast conferences, like avoid ever saying stuff like, you guys, or to everyone listening, like, no, 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 singular listener, imagine that person, they're out walking the dog, they're at the gym, like just one person. Going back to this LinkedIn showcase thing, I don't know if I have something for the side hustle show set up over there, but any best practices that you found in terms of the type of posts that tend to get traction or what's working over there? I think of the social posts, what I can do, Nick, is I can go to that LinkedIn page, I can post their press release, and most socials now let you pin a post. So I'll pin that post for the entire week. So anyone who's coming to the page sees their press release. And I'll have a little blurb probably at the top saying, congrats to our title sponsor, Cultivated, for securing their second seed round. And so I'll tag the sponsors in anything I do. What I love about these platforms is, again, first of all, I knew I wanted mini stages to blast out every time we, we publish episodes weekly. So there's they're getting the audiograms or the videograms, TikTok style videos, whatever it is that we produce. And they're going on Twitter, they're going on LinkedIn, they're going on now YouTube, they're going on Facebook. So all of these platform, many little stages that I've created for the Vertical Farm Pod and the LinkedIn page is the same. Do any of those drive meaningful listenership, like the audiograms and the short form stuff? It's hard to measure, and you and I know this very well, to track where all these listeners are coming from. But what I'm looking at also is how many likes I get, how much engagement I get on the actual posts. So I can see that people are engaging with the posts. And I think it's more of a brand visibility that's happening across all the platforms. And so people are reminded and I'm reminding them wherever they are. So even if they only use Twitter, we're posting on Twitter, you know, even if they only use like LinkedIn, it's there. And I wanted to sort of be top of mind for them. The other thing that I did is I was thinking about this broad term because I said, I'm going to create a niche. He talked about how people start with a newsletter sometimes. But I secured vertical farming jobs. I secured vertical farming weekly. We've now got a website. We've got CEA.events and CEA stands for Controlled Environment Agriculture. So I was thinking really ahead, where can I create platforms to promote this? So I even created a LinkedIn group called Vertical Farming Community. It's on LinkedIn now. And I'm creating these places. If you go to verticalfarmingpodcast.com, shout out to PodPage. We use them for our podcast website. It just makes things incredibly helpful because I don't have to worry about creating a post every time an episode goes live. They read the RSS feed and it posts there. But at the top, you can hit a sticky banner and it says vertical farming community. And if you click it, it takes you to a notion page and shows you all the ways we can engage with us. One of them is the LinkedIn community. Again, I'm just creating these, I'm looking for places where I can promote the episode. Vertical farming weekly is a weekly newsletter. Essentially what it is, I've got a part-time editor, Natasha, who helps me. I put out a call on the podcast. I said, Hey, we're looking for a new editor. And someone who's a listener for the show, she's like, hey, I've been listening to the show. I'd, I'd love to help. She lives in the UK and now she's the editor for my newsletter. And essentially what it is, is she pulls 10 headlines from the world of vertical farming. We use Beehive for our newsletter, posts them on there. But at the bottom, 
it's the weekly episode. It's every episode that we publish. So again, that has about now 1500 subscribers. So I'm using all these platforms to promote all these. It's sort of like a circular reference wherever I can find or create a platform to promote the other thing. It's all this cross posting and all that creates like this lift and visibility of the show. Yeah. Nobody is going to be remotely interested in vertical farming without finding you. That's kind of how I look at it. Like, you don't have to start this way because I think it's kind of intimidating to say, well, I got to have 10 different platforms and the newsletter and the LinkedIn and the TikToks and the Instagram and all this stuff. But eventually you can get there and you can say, look, if you're searching vertical farming anywhere, you can't miss me. And we had John Haas. I remember this episode from like probably eight, nine years ago. And he was doing this in nursing and he eventually bought, I think, nursing.com. But at that time it was like NRSNG, like it was kind of like the vowel-less version of nursing. And he had all these self-published books on different aspects of nursing on Amazon. And he had the website and he had the app and he had the YouTube stuff. And he had like all this, like he was casting this really wide net to dominate in that niche. And it sounds like you're going about and doing the same. I want to circle back to the media kit really quick. There is a shorthand URL for that Notion page. Do you mind sharing that? I think it'll redirect if it's verticalfarmingpodcast.com forward slash sponsor. I've created a short URL as well. I'm a bit of a social media nerd. So I, I secured vfpc.st, which if you look at it, looks like Vertical Farming Podcast, it's really shortened. So vfpc.st forward slash sponsor, that'll redirect to the Notion page. I think it's a good example of what you can put together on a media kit or sponsorship package page if you run an influencer type of business, because Harry's got kind of his both personal and the business social stats on here. He's got selected reviews from different listeners, copy and paste screenshots on there. He's got different rankings that pulled in from the different podcast charts, which I think is really cool. Just to say, like, look, I understand it's a niche podcast, but like we are playing this game that we're playing and we're playing it well, right? Here we go. He's got demographics, who's tuning in, income levels, all that stuff. And then some of like the social engagement stuff before getting into the actual sponsorship packages. Hey, you want to get in front of this audience? Here's how you can do it. Title, platinum, gold, silver, like different tiers, different levels on that. One thing that's interesting, because this is counter to the advice that you hear a lot, is like, don't publicize your prices. Like everything, <laughs> everything is negotiable. You don't want to be the first person to lay your cards out, but you do put prices on here. So I'm curious about your take on that. So I want to dive into that page a little bit because there's a lot there and it's been building up over time. So in the beginning, to your point, I had to highlight my credentials personally. So I said, this is my reach. If you'll notice about that page, there's not one mention of download numbers at all. And that was intentional because I said, look, this is what I've been building up over the years. I've been podcasting since 2014. We know what we're doing. And you can see, I put the actual numbers there for my LinkedIn, my personal Twitter, my personal Instagram, all the personal. And then I had all the vertical farming social. So as that's been building up over the years, I keep modifying the numbers, they keep going up. And then this idea of social proof, in this podcast, one of the things I say every single episode, if you're loving the show, if you love this episode or past episodes, I'd love if you leave a rating or review. I use a service called ratethispodcast.com. So I say ratethispodcast.com forward slash VFP. And then the beauty of that tool is it shows you all the different platforms that you, where you can do reviews, Podchaser, Apple. I think I'm going to add Spotify there as well. And then I read them out on the show because this builds that engagement. And then once they start reviewing them, I'll take that screenshot. I'll drop it in there as well. The other thing with the categories, this was really eye-opening for me. You get three category choices when you're creating your show and your host. And the primary one is, I think I picked science and technology. And I think I picked the second one that was relevant. 
The third one I always like to play and experiment with. And I said, oh, there's a nature category. And I was like, well, farming is sort of like related to growing greens. I switched that third one to nature. I think it was that week or a week or two later, it started shooting up and it ranked number one in about 15 to 20 different countries around the world, smaller countries in Africa. And I was like, wow, I took screenshots of all that stuff. So now I can say I have the number one podcast in vertical farming. That's right. It's like in that like bestseller badge. I'm going to spike the algorithm in Amazon just long enough. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you capture it. Social proof, baby. Yeah, social proof was great. And so I just keep building up that page. And what I'm doing, as you can see, as you scroll down, you're building up this social proof. This, And the other thing that you'll notice is I'll put the faces of the guests on the show, seasons one through nine. It should be updated. I think we've got to add the most recent guests. But if you're scrolling down and you're in the industry, you know these people. You know, these people, or you've heard of them and you're like, whoa, that person. Wow. He's had that person, that person on. And you're sort of building up this hype about the show. By the time you get to the pricing page, I think what I wanted to do is show people like this is an investment, obviously. But if you look at the pricing, there's title, there's the different tiers, and then there's the single. And I think the single is very cross prohibitive. That may be at this point, like $1,600. If you want to just one episode, I'm really discouraging people, as I mentioned earlier, from doing that. I want them to build a relationship with me because whenever you build this relationship and you get this package of a sponsorship over a period of time, like a season, it benefits three people. It benefits the sponsor, benefits the host, and it benefits the listener, quite honestly, because they're hearing you episode over episode repeating that. Yeah, I may not even have this single episode on here anymore, yeah. <laughs> trying to dissuade people to go multi-packages. And that's those are the conversations that I have with sponsors, too. We want to do like a one-episode test. And it's like, you know, <laughs> try to do like a four-episode minimum, just because it's like you said, it's this game. It's a kind of a weird hybrid between like traditional radio advertising, where it's like very much a game of repetition and awareness, and also this direct response element, because it's like always like, well, you go to this specific URL and use promo code side hustle. And it's kind of a mix between the two, but definitely steering people toward those longer term engagements. I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills and then we'll be right back to the show. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, entrepreneurs, we know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. 
work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. And also one more point there on that sponsorship types. Be creative because you've now created this platform. So some of these earlier sponsors and some of these conferences have been to Indoor AgCon, which is in Vegas. Indoor AgTech NYC, that ticket is $1,200 to attend. I've attended the last two and I have not paid for a ticket because, again, I'm building a barter relationship and I just figure out what the math is. I think we do a certain block of episodes. And so I'll do an ad read for Indoor AgTech NYC. Some sponsors like Indoor AgCon, they gave me a code to use. So I use VFP code. I get $100 off every ticket that was sold through that code. And I think I made an extra $600 because people were using the code to buy their conference tickets. So in addition to whatever they paid me for the sponsorship, I didn't pay for the ticket for the event and I was making a deal with them. So as I build those relationships over the years and their conference gets bigger, I'll add that. I'll maybe say, maybe it's a 4,000 to book the sponsorship, or maybe it's a higher percentage of the ticket sale. So just be creative. Don't try to limit yourself because once you have this platform and an ad read is a really powerful thing and a really powerful vehicle to get the word out for these shows. And so it's really been interesting to see the different ways that you can be creative with the sponsorship. Yeah. And this may be a hack really for any niche that you're in is approaching these events. And oftentimes they have a certain number of passes allocated to media. And if you could say, yeah, I'm a media business, I have a podcast, or I have a YouTube channel, or I have a blog, and you could kind of raise your hand and say, I'd like to come to your event and cover it. And sometimes they'll comp your ticket, sometimes they'll comp your hotel, like there's different ways to go about that. So I think that's a cool way. And then really put names to faces and kind of be part of that community. But we mentioned the sponsorship side. Is there any other revenue streams for this thing? I mean, you mentioned the job board a moment ago. I'm curious what else is going on there. So it's interesting because I thought there may be some opportunities with the job board. So that hasn't really taken off yet. But I think I'm always creating and thinking about ways that people can can engage. So what's been happening recently is obviously I've built relationships with other people who are media in the space. So there's a popular newsletter called I Grow News. And we've just been building relationships over the years, so much so that Every time they publish a weekly newsletter and they cover the entire CEA industry, controlled environment, agriculture, my show is there. So he shows my podcast and the artwork. He just pulls it. I don't even have to send it to him. So he's pulling it. So every week now on iGrow News, I'm being promoted on their page. And so we've been building such a good relationship. So we're having some conversations about ways we can work together and maybe build a media group or something like that. So still early days with some of that. And that's in the works, but that opportunity wouldn't have happened if I didn't have this opportunity or this platform that is synergistically aligned with what they're doing because they're trying to get the word out about everything that's happening in this space. So it's interesting. And then the other option that's happened recently is also I'm meeting a lot of startups 
in this industry. I'll go to these conferences and they usually have a part of the pavilion set up for people that pay a smaller amount. You probably see these at podcasting conferences and like a little table that's just like, hey, a smaller price. You don't have to pay for a full booth. I start having those conversations. I meet those people. I get them on the show. That's the first thing. Some of these companies, they're so small, they don't have a marketing team. So because of my marketing background, I'm now having conversations with them about maybe possibly helping them for an equity percentage of their business to come in as a fractional CMO or just help them because of all, they see what I've done with the podcast. They said, obviously we know what you're doing from a marketing perspective. We don't, and we need help. Our specialty is in like the business and the farming and all that. So it's just being creative. Like where else can I add value and where I can contribute my time? And it's a longer play, obviously, because you'll have to do something vested with them and over time. So they continue to add value, but you really over deliver in those first few conversations with them. They really get excited about an opportunity to work with you in a way that's helpful for them because they don't have the money to hire like a full-time CMO. Yeah, I think that's kind of a cool place to play if you have the time and bandwidth to do it because you need really only one or two of these things to hit and have my fractional ownership, my equity (laughs) stake in this company all of a sudden is worth a lot more than the 200 bucks an hour or something I might have charged as a marketing consultant. In terms of growing the listenership, anything else that you found effective? Because now... You're obviously really well established in this niche, but anything that you found effective to get traction early on? I think what we're going to start to do is start to build relationships with some of the other more established people who have been in the space. Because while vertical farming is new, greenhouses and that technology is not new. It's decades old. They've really perfected a lot of things that are going well, but they speak about the entire industry, including vertical farming. So I'm looking for ways to build partnerships with them placements on their site, doing small buys of banners on their site to see which ones get the most traffic. I was actually on a traditional agriculture podcast recently where they're asking me, tell us about this vertical farming thing. And it was like a weird moment because I'm like, well, I'm now a spokesperson for vertical farming, but I was able because of conversations that I had, osmosis, whatever you want to call it, to just at least speak intelligently about what I've been learning in the space. Because obviously we know the best place to find a podcast listener is on another podcast, looking at opportunities to speak about what's happening in this space. And just having that position that I have of a sort of a spokesperson in the space and treating that with respect and making sure I I speak intelligently on this topic. Yeah, it's just hard to find other agriculture podcasts, other vertical farming podcasts to go out and guest on. Like, obviously, you can go on business podcasts to tell the story. Like, that's cool, but that's a challenge to go out and grow that. So I think these different partnerships definitely make a lot of sense there. Yeah, and also when I'm at these conferences now and some of these partnerships, some of these when I, when I went recently went to Vertifarm that, you know, they built a booth for me as well. So it's now really thinking about, I have the space, what can I do creatively to make sure that people who are there, that's an audience dedicated to this. There's people obviously at the conference who didn't know about my show. So they're learning about it and I'm getting listeners from there as well. So I think I want to make a conscious effort, whether it's postcards or something that I literally can make a partnership. If I'm already making a partnership with the sponsor, I have that direct one-to-one relationship. I'm going to be like, Hey, if you're giving out a bag, like drop, a postcard for my show in there. And yeah, I wasn't yeah, yeah. like thinking that as much because I was just getting to know people there, but I have to really be conscious of like, Hey, I've got a captive audience that's there. And, and then also putting myself a little bit out of my comfort zone, but saying, Hey, would you like me to moderate a panel? Which is what I did in Germany. I moderated two panels and I was just like introducing myself and I said, I'm the host of the vertical farming podcast. And so really beginning to think about ways where I can show my visibility in this space in a way that builds off what I've already done with the show. Yeah, always thinking of, well, where are my target listeners already hanging out? Super obvious. They're hanging out at these events. Out, Yeah, that's a fantastic place to go out and meet them. I remember our mutual friend, Dr. Ryan Gray, would 
either have his little postcards. You go to these pre-med events and talk about the pre-med podcast or whatever. He's had like six or seven different pre-med themed podcasts or med school prep type of shows. But yeah, trying to like, hey, where are these students hanging out? These are my target listeners. I got to figure out how to get in front of them, make it easy for them to get this on their device. And I think he had QR codes or even it was like, hey, give me your phone. I'll show you how to download this. It's like there's yeah. still like that barrier to entry into the podcasting world. When I go back to your point about now people are inviting you to speak about vertical farming. And isn't it interesting how this authority tends to rub off? And that's what I found, at least in my case, I felt like I thought I knew a decent amount about side hustles and I had my own experience in building a side hustle business. But after 10 years and talking to hundreds of different entrepreneurs, like, oh my gosh, I knew nothing when I was getting started. But the authority tends to rub off and you become the go-to person in that space. I think that's really cool, even if you didn't have that pedigree or you didn't go to school for that and that wasn't your previous career. I think it's really important to just have an open mind when you're having these conversations and then really hear what these CEOs are saying. A lot of times they just, they're more nervous sometimes about coming on this show because they're like, all your guests, they sound so professional. I'm like, we do a great job of editing. We cut out the ums and ahs. You know, I want to make them sound good too, because a lot of times they're nervous and there's several CEOs, surprisingly enough, who've never been on a podcast. And I was just like, whoa, I have to like make sure they have a great experience and I'm holding their hand through the process and I'm letting them take breaks. And we just make sure when we do the edit that they sound and they look good because I feel like a responsibility now to showcase this industry and also showcase the people that are doing great things in this space as well. Yeah, for sure. What's a day in the life if there is such a thing? I've got to imagine that the hourly rate for this is pretty high. <laughs> it's like, okay, I do a weekly show and then I got to do the social stuff related to it. But then I'm running this other business. Like it seems like a part-time thing. What I think is really important, and this is something I learned from Podcast Junkies, is to really block off that time for availability for podcasts. And so we use a tool called SavvyCal. I only take interviews between Tuesday and Thursday, I think between 11 and 4. So, And I've built it and adjusted it in a way so there's that half hour block, because I've done this and I'm sure this has happened to you in the past, where you schedule like so many interviews and you're like, well, I've got three interviews today and you can get drained. You know, so it takes a lot of work to have that one-on-one conversation. So I've gotten better over the years with that. So I make time for You don't that. stack them up 15 in a day, like JLD. <laughs> <And> JLD. <laughs> Shout out to him. I think he does like 30 now. Doesn't he do like, only oh no, just 15 in two days and he does, covers the month. That was Yeah. <laughs> take, take the rest of the month off. Yeah. That's intense. Yeah. I'm not at that level yet. So I want to be really focused and really be able to give all my energy for these conversations. And so when I blocked out the time, I typically will have one or two yeah, that makes throughout sense. the course of a week. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good hourly rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I, I have the one or two scheduled throughout the week. And we always try to stay ahead, maybe four or five episodes ahead. And so once the interview is complete, then thankfully, because of the agency, I have my team do the editing, the audio, the video, they write the show notes. So we're prepared. And then what they send me is prior to the episode getting published, there's a whole Notion page again that I use for my guests. And I'm saying, Hey, Nick, thank you for being on the show. Here's all the media we created to support the show. Here's some text you can drop into socials. And you'd be surprised, Nick, how many times the actual verbiage of the text that I wrote out shows up in a social. I'm like, oh, cool. You just cut and pasted what I had there. And again, I never want my guests to be working harder to promote a show because they already gave me an hour of their time. So here's the beauty again. You're sending this email to the CEOs and the basic, what do they do? They're like, great, Harry, we'll just send this to our marketing team. And they yeah, send they it, just hit forward on this. They yeah. forward it to the marketing team and then voila, they start showing up on all their socials. And the one thing that I've been doing more of 
in Instagram. It would be cool to get access to their newsletters too. If they have email databases like, hey, our CEO was just featured on the Vertical Farming podcast. It's happened. It's happened. And I put a little blurb at the top of that guest page and I can include a link to the most recent one as well. We've also shown you can get more visibility if you put it in your newsletter as well. So we see some companies doing that. But it's just interesting that you go overboard and, and you give them all this information because they really appreciate the fact that they don't have to work harder to promote it. And in Instagram, what I think is cool, what we've been doing recently, you can add someone. And I think this is only on mobile, but when you're creating this vertical post that would create this TikTok style with like the karaoke wording, you can add a collaborator. And this is pretty cool because if I add you as a collaborator, you'll get tagged and you'll get a notice on your phone. And if you say, Harry added you as a collaborator for this post, all you do is hit yes. It shows up now in your feed right away. And that's been pretty cool. And I've been making a conscious effort to do that more. So now I'm just making sure, and this is part of the process when we sign up guests, not only do they book time, but immediately after they book time on using SavvyCal, it redirects them to a page that says, now give us all your information, headshot, socials, all your social accounts. And so we have that ahead of time. So when it comes time to producing, we know which profiles we're going to be tagging. And that just does so much to spread the word of what we're doing. And the guests appreciate it. The marketing teams appreciate it. And it's so nice to see it show up on these other companies' social accounts. Yeah. Make it easy for them to promote and just, I appreciate that too. But can we give a shout out to Harry for dropping all these cool tools like Savvy Cal, like Notion, like Captivate, like PodPage, like ratethispodcast.com. Like we always love hearing what tools and tech that other people are, are using. So I think that's really cool for sharing that. What surprised you the most over the last three, three and a half years of doing the show? I think what was interesting for me is how I went from zero visibility in this industry to now being seen as someone that's respected, that people are coming to for guidance on the industry, and that people want to come to me to partner with projects on in this industry. They're asking me to participate in their events. And it's interesting because I I came at it from a perspective of like an outside observer and a fan of something that I wanted to learn more about. But now over the years, it's been three years, 110 episodes, we're about to launch season 10 in a couple of weeks. And now I I sort of take more of a position where I'm a spokesperson now, whether I like it or not, as long as I continue doing this for vertical farming. And so I don't take that lightly. Yeah, I'm just doing the math on 110 episodes divided by, or maybe the other way around, but 80 grand in sponsorship revenue divided by 110 episodes, 700 bucks an episode for a show with 2,000-ish listeners, right? You said like, if you were going CPM model, you'd be making 50 bucks an episode. So you got to flip that script. If the audience isn't going to be huge, you got to find a different way to make that happen. I think what you've done is super, super inspiring. So you said, hey, I'm just scratching the surface of this stuff. You keep it going. What does the future hold for vertical farming or the vertical farming podcast? I think it's really partnerships. And I think this idea of being seen in the space from others who are doing something similar. I mentioned the newsletter folks And just now, I I think there's an opportunity there to build this into what you would call the vertical farming or a a CEA media group. And that's been pretty exciting. So early days with that conversation, and I'll shoot you an update if we make progress there. But I think it's really thinking, what's the bigger picture? Where's the bigger opportunity? Because if you think about it now, if you deep dive, as with most industries, they have a breakout in what they call a landscape of like the different categories. So in podcasting, it's podcast hosting. It's like people that do tech. It's people that do tools. In CEA, there's indoor farming, there's greenhouses, there's AI and robotics. You know, there's a lot of different niches that are in there. 
And as you might imagine, as a marketer, the brain starts kind of cycling. You're like, well, we could do a podcast just on AI and robotics in CEA. The beauty of doing that is now we have the model in place. Where can we replicate that and see if there's an opportunity to build a bigger play? I always am in awe of what the people at Morning Brew have done, the hustle, these kind of newsletter, and have built it out to a media company that eventually got acquired. So, you know, I'm just thinking bigger picture because I think there's an opportunity there to think more broadly about what's possible. Yeah, super cool. We are early days in this space. And to bring it back to Peter Diamandis in Abundance, it's like my all-time favorite TED Talk. And it's his talk on why abundance is our future. He starts off with, look, the news is always bad, but the future always gets better. How does that work? And it's like every time I'm feeling down, like I always still bring that up probably once or twice a year. When I need that, I need that reminder, like, yes, on the surface, it looks like the world is going to absolute crap, but maybe there's reason to believe it's not. The Vertical Farming Podcast. Check Harry out over there, fullcast.co. That's the podcast production agency. Of course, podcast junkies, if you want to hear the inside scoop from other podcasters, podcasters talking about podcasting. I know there's a Nick Loper episode somewhere in the archives over there, but Harry, really appreciate you joining me. This has been awesome. Took a ton of notes and I would love to wrap this up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. But just keep moving forward. The universe rewards momentum. As an entrepreneur, I fell down a lot. I spent thousands of dollars on stuff that didn't work. And in the beginning, I'd just be sitting in the dirt, just wallowing in like my, my sorrow and just be like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure at this. But over the years, as I've grown that entrepreneurial muscle, I really feel like you need to have those failures so you can really quickly figure out what does not work. But I posted on something on social a couple of months ago about all the domains I acquired over the years. And it was like probably 30 or 40 of just random ideas that I thought might work and that failed miserably. So just keep moving forward. Have the confidence that you... I, I enjoyed that. Like, there was an email of yours. It was like the graveyard of unused yes. domains. <laughs> yes. I think anybody who's been online any length of time has that. And I had to delete the like GoDaddy app for my phone. Like, no, no, no new domains. Yeah, I, I still do it, but at a lesser pace and I do it stuff to stuff related to what I'm working on. But yeah, I think that's the most important takeaway. Just when you first become an entrepreneur, you think like if one idea you try doesn't work, then you've failed. But I think you know, just keep moving forward. Keep taking that imperfect action daily. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Take that imperfect action. And just a couple notes that I want to hammer home is like, it really is possible to build a name and a reputation for yourself in a space that you don't have that preconceived expertise in where you can just play the curious bystander and like, I want to learn more about this. I don't know. I'm not the world's foremost expert about this, but I want to talk to people who know more than me. And by virtue of doing that over the course of several years, like it starts to rub off. And the second thing is, if you're considering a niche, think about, is there a way to make this a B2B thing? Because obviously that's where the dollars are really, really flowing. Certain brands are trying to reach mass consumer markets. But if a company is willing to drop nine grand on a podcast that doesn't exist yet, like they've got to be selling something high ticket, right? If you can find those opportunities and use all the tactics that Harry mentioned to find out, well, who's spending money in this space? Now, can I be of service to them? How can I provide a platform for them and do it in a wholesome and value added way? And that really makes a lot of sense. So again, notes and links are at sidehustlenation.com slash Harry. Lots of links in this one. Again, lots of great resources. While you're there, I want to invite you to download my list of 20 other hobby-related niches that you might be able to apply Harry's model to. That's at sidehustlenation.com slash Harry or through the show notes link in the episode description. Big thanks to Harry for sharing his insight. Thanks for supporting the advertisers that support the show. We talked a lot about sponsorships in this episode, but it really all does come back 
to listeners supporting the show through supporting those advertisers. As always, you can hit up sidehustlenation.com slash deals for all the latest offers from our sponsors in one place. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on.